From MPB Think Radio, this is In Legal Terms, a show all about you and your rights. I'm Sharita Brent here with Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. Today we'll cover some of the top legal stories in the news. Mississippi's House Bill 1523 is dominating headlines and we'll update you on this bill. We'll also talk about a recent Supreme Court decision on President Trump's travel ban. Also, there's going to be a change to Mississippi's divorce laws that's taking effect July 1st. You can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING if you have any questions or comments. That's 877-672-7464 or email legalterms at mpbonline.org. We'll be back right after the news. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. And welcome back to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is a show all about you and your rights. I'm Sharita Brink here with Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. And today we'll cover some of the top legal stories in the news. Mississippi's House Bill 1523 is again dominating headlines. And we'll talk about the bill and tell you why it is. We'll also talk about a recent Supreme Court decision on President Trump's travel ban. We have a a couple other stories involving religious freedom. And uh, a change to Mississippi's divorce law takes effect July 1st. We'll talk about that as well. 877-MPB-RING is the number if you want to join the conversation. Uh, This is kind of an open topic day. We're just talking in general about some of the legal stories in the news. So if you have any questions or comments um, about House Bill 1523, what it means, uh, your own opinions on it, call us at 877-672-7464 or send an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. Good morning, Professor Gershon. How are you today? Doing great, Sharita. And uh, one reason it's an open topic day, I think I sh- we should tell everyone, is that we had a uh, an attorney, a criminal law attorney, scheduled uh, for today. But she is actually uh, defending a client right now. Uh, and so appreciate the fact that, that lawyers, you know, are there when uh, their clients most need them. And uh, much better that sh- her services are being used in that way than uh, on our show. <laughs> Right. With us. Uh, Yeah. So we were going to talk about something totally different today, but there is always something to discuss on the legal front. And uh, we'll get into some of those stories today. Uh, So, Professor Gershon, let's start with House Bill 1523, which uh, is dominating headlines again this week in particular. But let's start with a little background on this bill. Um, You know, when it became a deal, it has made national headlines. Um, Different folks are. Uh, especially actors and certain people are saying they won't won't come to the state even if this bill is um, in place. So let's talk about a little of the history and the meaning of House Bill 1523. All right. Well, that's a it's a great question, Sharita. And there's a lot a lot going on with this bill. Uh, You know, and and, uh, it really, again, depends on who you talk to, what uh, people think the bill is. Now, um, I will say it has had an impact already on our state. There's no question about it. I can tell you that our high school uh, theater program here in Oxford was unable to secure the license rights for certain plays uh, this year because of House Bill 1523. Uh, similarly, I know that, uh, like North Carolina has a similar bill, House Bill 2 was theirs, uh, and so the NCAA pulled uh, 
out a lot of the their championships from from that. So I do, I do think there's an economic impact because, you know, uh, people react very strongly to these bills. This is, on the one hand, arguably a bill that protects uh, religious freedom is, is the way it's couched. And that is that if I have a strongly held uh, belief uh, that, that, uh, that marriage is between uh, one man and one woman, um, then I am not going to be required by the state. I'm not going to be punished by the state if I, uh, in uh, operating my business, uh, then refuse to, for example, it really what it does then is say that if a same-sex couple came to me and wanted me to bake a cake for them uh, for their wedding, I wouldn't have to do that, and there would be no punishment from the state for that. Um, the other side of it is, you know, it, it does seem quite reactive to the Obergefell decision, which allowed uh, and, you know, made uh, same-sex marriage constitutional right if, if people want to get married. So, it, you know, you can look at, uh, at both sides of this argument. I think, you know, um, the, the argument uh, against it is that it allows people uh, to discriminate, um, and the argument in favor of it is it protects people's faith. Uh, what happened was uh, Judge Carlton Reeves uh, allowed uh, allowed an injunction or issued an injunction against the rule. So uh, he's a federal district court judge. It then went to the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, and uh, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals didn't. I mean, people are going to say that what they did was they they uh, supported the law. That's really not what happened. Mm. The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, the three judge panel, did not in fact, say that uh, they think House Bill 1523 is constitutional. They simply said, if you read the case, that the, the plaintiffs had no standing to bring the case, that you have to have an actual injury, and that a prospective injury is not something that, that is uh, justiciable, not something that a court can can deal with. So that was really the issue. It doesn't really ratify House Bill 1523. It just simply says, we have, like with every law, we have to wait till there's a harm for someone to bring a constitutional case. Now, um, the argument on the other side is that, uh, you know, the harm happens by the by enacting the law. So I think we're going to see further appeals on this issue. Uh, I think it's an oversimplification to say, well, now that's that's the law of, of Mississippi. It's simply that uh, no one who has been directly injured by this law has been able to bring a suit. Yeah, I was reading a story in Clear and Ledger, and it said the panel said plaintiffs failed to prove they would be harmed by the law, uh, but the federal courts must withhold judgment unless and until that plaintiff comes forward. So basically somebody has to be like the sacrificial lamb, like you have to be discriminated against first, and then you can say, well, voila, here's the harm done, and this is why this law should not be enacted. Exactly, and that's why, you know, when... Uh when you look back on, say, the Freedom Riders and a lot of the, the uh, civil rights uh, activists, you know, the, they knew uh, that what they were going to do was bring, you know, they were going to put themselves in a position of being harmed to bring a case. Uh, the same thing, for example, uh, when you look at um, uh, Brown versus Board of Education needed real plaintiffs, needed real uh, people who were actually harmed by uh, segregation. So. Uh, you know, those kind of that's that's really what it's going to take. So there's no you know, there is no decision that that House Bill 1523 is constitutional. There are a lot of us who think it's not. Uh, but what this said was there's nobody yet who can bring a case who has been harmed by this law. 
877-MPB-RING is the number if you want to join the conversation. It's an open topic day, and we are starting by talking about House Bill 1523. We'd love to hear from you this morning. Listeners, have you been following the story? Um, Do you believe that this bill would work against LGBT community members? Uh, Do you think it makes sense for uh, religious entities to have this bill enacted to protect their religious freedom and freedom of conscience? Give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464 or send an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. So, Professor Gershon, just looking at the various headlines, and I think it's interesting you brought up, well, if folks would read the case, then they would have a better understanding of it. You know, some of the headlines say, well, House Bill 1523 is now the law of the land. Is it? Uh, because last year when, when Judge Reeves uh, put the injunction up, it you know, stop the things from going into effect for July 1st. And so now the the injunction has been lifted. So is it officially the law of the land or are there more court proceedings that have to happen first? Well, it's a great question, Sharita. And I think procedurally, I guess, technically it is the law right now because it was adopted by the legislature and uh, laws adopted by the legislature are presumptively constitutional. That's the, you know, they start off with a presumption of constitutionality. But you know, then what happens is the courts are there to balance that. And, you know, a lot of people have issues with judges, you know, and overstepping. But what judges are there to do is to protect our rights, to make sure that when a legislature adopts a law, that it actually does uh, stand up to constitutional scrutiny. And there are times when, when laws don't and they are overturned. So, it you know, there's a lot of we have to wait and see what happens next. There's a, a three-judge panel that made this decision uh, you know, the, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals is made up of uh, many judges that now could sit in bonk, which means all of them at one time, to, to review the decision made by that three-judge panel. Um, so, you know, there are a lot of steps in the process. But as of right now, the legislation is, is good um, and is, consti- is con- presumed to be constitutional. But I think, you know, based on the number of challenges that are that are out there and the number of people who think... Uh, it does violate the Constitution, uh, including some really uh, strong constitutional scholars. I know I'm not a constitutional scholar. Uh, they're, they're, it, it's a very problematic law. All right, several calls to get to. We'll go first to Chad in Memphis with a comment. Good morning to you, Chad. Hey, how are you doing today? Hey, doing well. Um, my, my question is this. What happens when an atheist decides he's not going to serve a Christian? Hmm. I mean, what? What happens when you open a public business, you agree to serve the public. You don't agree to serve just people of your faith. That's a good question, Chad, because I think when when I think about this bill, Professor Gershon, Christianity immediately comes up. Uh, so, you know, Chad is arguing the country, and I think it's a very good question. What do you think? Well, it's a great question, Chad. I mean, I think that's, that's really the problem, though. I think this is really designed to uh, protect Christians who want to uh, discriminate against uh, people who are uh, in same-sex relationships. I mean, that, that really kind of the the way the law was designed. Uh, Chad's question is great, but now from a business perspective, I've thought about that too. I'm Jewish, and I think, well, you know, if I if I start to deny uh, services to everyone who doesn't believe like I do, we're, we're a pretty small minority. I'm going to go out of business pretty quickly, and I would think the same thing would happen to an atheist. So there's some business reality there that takes place, which is why this law really could only apply to a major, major, majority religion because, you know, 
they may be the only group that can pick and choose who they want to serve. And that that's part of the issue. I mean, discrimination typically we look at is the minor, majority discriminating against minority as a starting point. Um, so, you know, that that's part of it. I think I think I, when you open a business, a, a public business, you do agree you're in commerce. You, uh, you are you agree to serve everyone who comes in. Uh, and I think that's true. Now, I do think that people uh, of faith ha- would argue with that. Uh, I almost feel like, you know, there were days I, what makes me what offends me about it is uh, I, my father came back from World War Two. Uh, fighting in World War II for this country, and to, to signs that said no Jews or dogs allowed mm. on on hotels, and those you can see pictures of those signs. And then uh, you know, uh, it, implicit in that, of course, black people weren't allowed in those hotels because they were segregated. And so when you start to you know have people saying, well, we're going to serve some people, not serve other people, that's what it reminds me of. Now, on the other hand, if people want to discriminate in their businesses. I think they should have to put those signs up. You know, my face says I can't serve you if. Yeah, because you, you you know, want folks uh, to still come and support and patronize a business um, when there's a discriminatory factor in play. Exactly. My, yeah, my father used to always say, I just I don't care. I just want that. I just want to know they don't want me there. Yeah. You know, that was true of he was not allowed in country clubs. He was not allowed in certain, uh, he was a doctor. He was not allowed in certain uh, medical associations because no Jews were allowed in those, you know. But at least he knew, and so I think those businesses, if they if they should say we discriminate, uh, you know, that would be fine with me. In my opinion, it's not really fine, but I mean, at least I, everybody would know that right. that's how how they approach their business. So I have seen lots of businesses putting signs up that say we don't discriminate. Everybody is welcome. Uh, you can come here. And when I see that, I'm just thinking, man, what year is it <laughs> that, that those signs still have to be put up that we, we don't discriminate? You're welcome here. Uh, Don is in Jackson. Good morning to you, Don. What do you have for us today? Good morning. Uh, first of all, I just want to say I love all people and I got no problem with anybody. But from a business point of view, does a business not have a right to refuse service to anybody for any reason they want? Sure. Good question, Don. It's a great question, Don. And, you know, you see signs, no shirt, no shoes, no service. That's right. right. You know, I don't, if they don't want to serve me because I'm disruptive. But that is me as an individual being disruptive or not wearing shoes or not wearing a shirt. We're not talking about a whole class of people that whether they're wearing shoes or shirts or whatever is immediately as a class of people are not allowed into that establishment or not going to be served by that establishment. You know, that's when we go back to the days of, you know, the black customer has to go to the back of the barbecue instead of in the barbecue itself has to, is not allowed inside the building. That's right, more like, that's what that's distinct difference. There is that you're, you're definitely, you know, by making them, go to a different place, you're still serving them. So that's that's not exactly the same thing. This uh, What I'm saying is you have a right to refuse service. Now, to make somebody go to a different – we'll still serve you, but not in the front. You have to go to the back. That's, I agree. That's, that's wrong. I agree. Well, the whole thing's wrong, really. But what I'm saying is as a business owner, uh, because I've seen signs. I used to bartend and stuff, and we always had a sign up. We have a right to refuse service to anyone, and that's mainly because, you know, people get too much to drink and – and I see the reasoning there. But, I mean, you could take that as far as you wanted to. Is if, if I, as a business owner, want to refuse and not take your money, then I should have that choice. 
I think that's true mostly. I really do. I don't disagree with that. I mean, if someone's disruptive, uh, a bartender can say to somebody, you've had already too much, I'm not going to serve you more. But you're not just saying, I'm not going to serve you more because you're uh, black or you because you're African-American or because you're not my faith or whatever. I mean, so once you're in commerce, there are certain rules that apply and, and you know, that, that, that say you cannot discriminate against people in that stream of commerce. Now, the, now the fact is, if somebody, if somebody is not an expert in baking cakes that deal with bar mitzvahs, for example, and I go and ask for a cake for, for my son's bar mitzvah, um, they could say, I don't know how to do that, and I refuse to do that. That's not discrimination. That's, that's a different thing. But if they just blatantly say, I'm not doing it because of your faith, that would be that would be a different issue. All right, Don, thank you for your call. We appreciate it. Um, Professor Gerson, I was looking at this Clearing Ledger article, and uh, it was saying that House Bill 1523 aims to protect three beliefs. Marriage is only between a man and a woman. Sex should only take place in such a marriage. And a person's gender is determined at birth and cannot be altered. So the part that stood out to me was sex should only take place in that marriage between a man and a woman. So my question is, say uh, a couple, uh, someone in a couple um, engages in adultery. Uh, you know, that's a, that's a violation um, uh, of a religious belief. W- would that person also be discriminated against, you know, saying, hey, well, you're not upholding uh, the beliefs and standards of this heterosexual marriage, so you're not welcome either. I just wonder how specific does it get? <laughs> It's it's interesting, Sharita. I don't know that we. Uh, I, I don't. I don't think that usually adultery, in my opinion, is ever elevated uh, to that level. Because if you look at the governor of Alabama, who wanted to have the Ten Commandments placed everywhere, uh, was committing adultery. And you know, I look at I look at the Ten Commandments, and that's one of them. Right? Mm-hmm. Is you shouldn't commit adultery. So, um, you know, people tend to look the other way with that one. Uh, to me, that's a much bigger societal problem than two loving people who just happen to be of the same gender. But, you know, um, so I, it's a great question, and I'm not sure how you enforce that. My problem, my real problem with House Bill 1523 as a lawyer is how do you prove that someone has a strongly held belief or a strongly held faith? Right. Yeah, I, I mean, how do you test that? I mean, all I have to say is that's what tithes. I believe. They, they're going to have to look at the tithes and offering records to see if they're actually going to church and, exactly. <laughs> and I mean, they pray. Exactly. They have to be, <laughs> I want to make sure they're there you know, every every week. And the other thing is that's why I think maybe then putting a sign up. I have a strong held belief and I will not serve the following people. If this is law, I almost feel like that's where we have to go because if you got that faith, put it out there. Yep. All right. We're going to take a quick break and we get back. Lots of calls to get to uh, Jackie, Wayne, Bill and Sandy. We will get to you guys right after this break. This is an open topic day on illegal terms. And we are starting the conversation by talking about House Bill 1523, its updates and the specifics of it. You can call us at 877-MPB-RING if you have any comments or questions. 877-672-7464 or email legalterms at mpbonline.org. This is Think Radio.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. And welcome back to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sherita Brent, here today with Professor Richard Gerson, Gerson of the University of Mississippi School of Law. And today we're covering some top legal stories in the news. It's an open topic day, and we are talking right now about Mississippi's House Bill 1523, which has been dominating the headlines, and we're just talking through it. And we have lots of calls to get to, folks who want to weigh in. So we'll go first to Jackie in Madison, who has a comment. Good morning to you, Jackie. Good morning. I wanted to know if there was anything you uh, you kind of touched on this anything in the bill that allows me to know any businesses that will discriminate because morally and religiously I am adamantly opposed to discrimination so I do not want to spend a penny of my um, money that I uh, have available to uh, frequent a business, I don't want any of that money to go to a business that does discriminate. So am I then going to have to just be required to ask every time I go in a business, do you discriminate? And if they do, just walk out? I mean, what what is in the bill to protect me since I'm opposed to this bill? That's interesting. I don't know, Professor uh, Gershon, a discrimination registry for restaurants? Could this be in the future? Well, that's, that, that's, where, that's what makes us so problematic. It really is. I think it's just the bill doesn't say anything about that. It just says if somebody has a strongly held belief, and we kind of just have to accept that so they can just say, hey, you know, um, you, I don't want to serve. I, I agree with the caller. I think it's one of those things that, um, okay, then let us know. You know, let us know ahead of time. But, because I don't, I, that, that'll save everybody the embarrassment, right? I mean, if I know you're not going to serve me from the beginning, I guess I could go in and try to test that. Um, but, you know, I, most people really don't feel that way. I just assume not deal with that business if I know, in fact, uh, that that's their policy. So, you know, just put it out, put it up front. I mean, I think it ultimately, Sharita, I really think that bills like this, like House Bill 2 in North Carolina, uh, House Bill 1523, ultimately fail uh, any constitutional test when it goes through the, the court system. And there's, you know, an actual plaintiff. I really don't think they last it because there are all these questions. And it's almost impossible to enforce a law like this. And I've said in, in past shows, the other thing is I think you know, we, we think of all the time we are wasting on this and money we're wasting on this issue, which is mm-hmm. a really small issue. It affects really in the, in the, in the scheme of things. It, you know, it offends a lot of people both on both sides. But the fact is the effect, the impact is pretty small. And we've got a huge budget deficit in the state. We've got revenue problems in the state. That's what I want our legislature focused on, dealing with real people's problems and trying to make our state better, our education system better. And we're spending time on, on, on stuff like this. And Jackie, also, uh, Facebook and social media can be a good tool sometimes uh, because if, if if an individual hears about discrimination happening within a restaurant, they will put it on Facebook. Uh, I've seen lists circulating that say don't go to these restaurants because they discriminate. Uh, so maybe depending on the area you're in, a quick Facebook search or a Google search might reveal uh, that information to you. But they are very active about it on Facebook, about exposing and uh, revealing those restaurants that don't serve LGBT people. Well, I just feel that someone is feels so strongly about not serving a sect of our society that they should have no qualms about advertising that uh, in their window to allow those of us who do not uh, feel that way to have the option. 
Uh, I used to have a friend who is from a very wealthy family in Jackson, and she wanted to support only local businesses. So when she went in a restaurant, she would ask the receptionist there who owned the business. And if the person couldn't tell her who owned the business, she walked out because she only wanted to frequent local, locally owned restaurants and businesses, not not corporate owned. Yeah. And she did. So. Well, thank you for your call, Jackie. We appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, we go next to Wayne, who's in McGee with a comment. Wayne, thank you for holding so patiently. What do you have for us? I'm just calling to discuss the 1523, make a comment. Okay. Can you hear me? Yes. I'm actually appalled. I am a lover of all people. Um, I don't care who, what you are. I'm just appalled that Mississippi would set itself backwards after all the racial and other discriminations this state has. They tend to let the churches rule the state. However, I am trying not to break down here. I have been a victim. I was molested by a member of clergy. Mm. My life has been messed up my entire life. But here they are telling us what other and other people should not do when they got their own conflicts within their own churches. To me, God lives in your heart. It's not in the church. But out here, they're just making all these laws and people are getting hurt, and I just don't like it. I think it should be equality for all, and only God should make the decision. Wow, Wayne, thank you so much for calling, and um, you have our sympathies as well for what you experienced um, with the the clergy member that you mentioned. Thank you so much for your call and having the courage to call in. Professor Gershon, any thoughts? Well, sure, I think it's a a good point. I'm sorry that Wayne went through that. Um, You know, organized religion is big business and and has a lot of, uh, certainly a lot of clout, political clout. And, uh, you know, it's certainly apparent in our state and, uh, and you know, what we really need to look at is the average person and, you know, people who are, are suffering, people who are hurting. Uh, our, our state laws, our, our, you know, our government should be really there to help them and, and support them. Uh, but a lot of times, you know, when money talks, there's no question about it. You, there's the show, Money Talks, but this is a different thing when uh, there's a lot of corporate power behind uh, support for laws and there's also a lot of uh, strong uh, financial power from from churches and i wonder you know well would business owners have a change of heart if they were impacted economically you know if all lgbt people uh would stop supporting certain businesses would they notice a dent um in their own revenue uh, over time i do wonder what they how they might react then if it did affect them financially well sharina you think about going again going back to the civil rights era and the boycotts against the, the bus systems in mm-hmm. various southern cities. You know, I mean, it was mostly African-Americans using the bus system, and they just said, you're going to make us go in the back. We're not going to ride the bus. And, and so that had a huge economic impact, and, and things had to change. I do think, you know, boycotts do have effect. There's no question mm-hmm. about it. All right, more calls to get to. We go next to Sandy, who's in South Mississippi, with a question. Good morning to you, Sandy. Good morning. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay. As a returning uh, parent and uh, to Mississippi, uh, I my children are in the same-sex marriage, and my grandchildren would possibly return to the state, but for this law and the lack of recognition of their marriage. My question is, as a Christian... I am a Christian. My religion does not support 
this law. My religion accepts same-sex marriage and believes that we are all created equal. Does this put me in a position of being able to look at someone and refuse them whatever because I don't believe their belief in this law? Hmm. Does this make sense, my question? It does. Okay. Any thoughts, Professor Gershon? That's a great question. But, no, you know, the law is pretty specific about what it protects. And it really protects not – it's not so much about uh, us – you know, us as citizens uh, and our rights versus other citizens. It's about what, you know, in no state punishment for this discrimination based on a belief that marriage is between one man and one woman uh, and it's within a marriage, uh, you know, that sex is within a marriage only and that gender is determined at birth. Um, and so that's really just, you know, a, a protection from any state imposition there. Uh, it really, I, I don't know that the response that we necessarily should give the one that, that it, even though I, I agree, you know, you're, the, the natural reaction is to say, well, if somebody's going to discriminate against me, then I'll do the same to them, is really instead is to uh, patronize businesses that actually uh, just say, hey, you know, if you got money and you want to buy something from me, I'm glad to sell it to you. And that really is, to me, that makes the most business sense anyway. I'm not sure that when you really come right down to it, um, it, it makes sense to start saying, I'm not going to take certain customers, uh, you know, unless they're disruptive or unless they're uh, people who, uh, you know, don't wear shirts and shoes to my restaurant, that kind of thing. But generally speaking, to just, to just say that I'm going to deny a whole class of potential customers doesn't, doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, but this bill is really, really specific. I mean, to me, the last part of the bill that says gender's determined at birth it really tips the hand that, that this is really about LGBTQ uh, rights as opposed to anything else. Mm-hmm. All right, Sandy, thank you so much for your call. We need to take a quick break. When we get back, we have Robert, Wanda, and Bob to get to, and we do have an open mind, and we'll have some more open in a moment. If you want to join the conversation, this is an open topic day on Illegal Terms, and we are talking through House Bill 1523, what it means and what it could mean for the future. 877-MPB-RING is the number if you want to join the conversation with any questions or comments. 877-672-7464 or email legalterms at mpbonline.org. This is Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. And welcome back to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sherita Brent, joined today by Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. And today we're covering some top legal stories in the news right now. We're talking about Mississippi's House Bill 1523. An injunction was lifted on it by um, the Fifth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals. And so we're talking about this bill and what it means today. And uh, we've been enjoying your calls. We'll stay on the phones. We're going next to Robert in Sweetwater, Tennessee. Good morning to you, Robert. Yes. How are you today? Hey, doing great. Good. Um, I'm I, I'm listening to this, and I'm just curious to when 
I guess I see a lot of words and laws and, and paragraphs and sentences being added to definitions. So what I'm getting at is I always thought that discrimination was against something you couldn't change. You can't change the color of a black man. You can't change the, the, uh, where a person came from if it's from another country. And so if you discriminate against that, that was something you can't change. Yet a man deciding to dress like a woman or marry another man, isn't that a change? Don't they choose to change that? And if that's the case, then can't a man walk or a woman walk into a restaurant and say, well, you know, I, I was born a smoker and it really didn't affect me until I was 20, so you can't say I can't smoke in this restaurant because wouldn't that be considered discrimination? That's a good question, Robert, uh, because I know people who actually get offended when you compare discrimination against black people to discrimination against the LGBT community. So uh, it's a very legitimate question. Professor Gershon, what do you think? Well, I would just turn that around and ask Robert, then I guess you can clearly discriminate against religion because religion is clearly a choice. Um, And so, you know, this bill protects religious freedom. Why, Why would it do that when that is one of the things that we choose to do? In fact, Romans 10, 9 uh, encourages, I actually do read the New Testament. Uh, Romans 10, 9 encourages people to, to accept Jesus as their personal Savior, which would assume that there are people who haven't yet, but they could change that. And we don't, I don't think you're advocating discrimination against, against Christians. I would hope not. Mm-hmm. Robert, any thoughts? What's that? Do you have any follow-up? Well, yeah, I don't, I'm not advocating that. My point is, is I'm talking about, well, and if you talk about the Bible, too, people add definitions to a certain word. So what I'm getting at is I always thought discrimination meant something you can't change. Um, so even in religion, if that's something you can change, then it wouldn't be discrimination. Except, you know, the Constitution actually uh, does define religion as a protected class, but also... Uh, federal law protects uh, uh, also things like uh, gender uh, and sexual preference. So, you know, that's been added by Congress that those are clearly things that Congress believes should be protected. There are special classes that are considered uh, things that, that really is who, that's just who people are. So, okay. you know, I think we could we could argue that with Congress. We could argue that uh, altogether. Maybe if we're not going to protect same people who are uh, choose to be or not choose to be or born, uh, you know, transgender, for example, uh, then you then you shouldn't protect religion either, because if that's something that's mutable, that's changeable, religion is clearly changeable. Hmm. All right. That was very interesting. Thank you so much, uh, Robert, for that call and bringing up that point. Uh, Wanda is in Caledonia with a comment. Good morning to you, Wanda. Hey. hey, um, about legislating when, when we should have sex and other things embarrassing and hateful about this bill, I hope many organizations decide to not do business in our state. The bottom line, unfortunately, is not how we treat people. It's money. And if the mm-hmm. NCAA would refuse to have baseball regionals in Mississippi or something like that, then something will change. And then one other thing, referring to knowing if a business discriminates or not, there's a bookstore which has a statement at the front which declares 
that this store welcomes all people and goes on to say other things. And I hope more businesses will put up something like that to support when we go in there and shop so we'll know how they feel. Thank you. All right, Wanda. Thank you for your call. We appreciate it. Okay, we'll stay on the phones. We go next to Bob, who is on the road. Uh, Good morning to you, Bob. What's your comment? Hello. um, Thanks for taking my call. Um, For people who are truly religious, their work, everything they do is an offering. It's an act of worship. They're not there to get rich. They're not there to make money. It's not about greed. The, The boycott you mentioned earlier would not be something that would affect someone who's truly doing it out of, out of a spiritual perspective. And then to require them to put up a sign to say, well, we don't agree with a certain group and can't serve them, then would be the dis- very discrimination that you're talking against. I've seen several co-buffer stickers that say coexist. But apparently that doesn't include someone who's trying to exercise their faith through their actions. And from our perspective, we're to work so that we have the means to help those who need help. That's why we work. We don't work to get rich. We don't work to to buy the, the latest fad. We work to help those who need help. That's why we're supposed to be working. But to, to bring it all down to money gets away from the point. The point is the free exercise of faith without discrimination. Anyway, thanks for the opportunity to speak. Okay. Bob, thank you so much for your call. We appreciate it. Professor Gershon, any thoughts on Bob's comments? Well, I respect Bob, and I, I, I appreciate his comments very much. And I think that uh, he, he absolutely should have the right to exercise his faith. Uh, and to do the good work that he does. And that's, you know, most most people who are people of faith are doing it for the right reasons, which is they care about other people. They want to make sure that uh, the world's a better place uh, while we're here. We don't know what happens next. Some people some people do. I, I don't. But, you know, the, the, the key to me is if you run a business, then there's certain rules you have to you have to follow. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, by entering to, into commerce, then you subject yourself to certain rules. You have health, health rules that, that come into play if you have a restaurant. And, uh, and one of the rules that, that applies, you know, across the board is you can't discriminate. Uh, certain people and certain faiths say, hey, you know, I mean, if you look at segregation, people made a faith-based argument for segregation as well. So um, what worries me is that faith can be used sometimes uh, as a as a means to discriminate against an entire class of people, and and our our government here in the United States, our our federal law and uh, our federal constitution protects against that. All right, Bob, we appreciate your call. Thank you. Uh, we'll stay on the phones. Natalia is in Ocean Springs. Good morning to you. Yes. Good morning. Um, uh, thank you, Professor Sharita. I my question is uh, really regarding the public officials uh, and if they are protected by this law. Because in my opinion, if you are a public official, you are paid for your salary and everything that you do is paid for by taxpayers' dollars. Therefore, you cannot discriminate against anyone um, and refuse to process their paperwork or whatever it may be. So I um, feel that 
in, in those cases, they should choose not to work in that position and uh, find another um, occupation if they are not willing to serve everyone. Okay. Interesting thoughts to tell you. Professor Gershon, any thoughts? Uh, great, great point. I think, you know, that goes to the clerk of the court who refuses to uh, perform a same-sex marriage, even though the same-sex marriages are the law of the United States now. They are constitutional. Um, it, you know, if that, if you can't do your job, don't, don't do your, don't do your job. If you're, especially if you're an elected official or, uh, someone who works for the state government. Um, and that, that, you know, there are a lot of different job choices. If that one offends you, then find something else. All right, Natalia, thank you for your call. We appreciate it. We'll stay on the phones. We're going next to Margo, who's in Ocean Springs with a comment. Good morning to you, Margo. Good morning. Hey, what do um, you have for us? I, I just wanted to say that, you know, um, as far as this, uh, the religious belief and using your, your religious belief as, as a reason to discriminate, I think is a bit hard to, uh, 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 it's a bit uh, disingenuous. Um, I know that, but you know, they they want to hide behind their Christian uh, beliefs and say that this is my religion that I can I can choose not to serve them because it offends my religious beliefs. But then they turn around and they will say um, I'm a Christian, you know, and I, I I live my life as a Christian. I, I don't see where they get to choose, pick and choose, you know, being a religious person where. Um, they can pick and choose which which aspect of their religion that they're gonna they're gonna um, abide by. I, I find it just a little bit hypocritical. So mm. that's all I wanted to say. All right, Margot, thank you so much for your call. We we appreciate it. Okay, let's stay on the phones. We go next to Francis, who's on the road with a comment. Hi, Francis. Good morning. Great show. Appreciate y'all as usual. Thank you. Um, I'd just like to make a a comment. Number one, this law is a reaction to nothing, or it's actually a reaction to another state. I believe Oregon, Colorado, the Supreme Court, I think, has agreed to take up a similar issue from the state of Colorado. The thing about Mississippi is there's no law that compels a person to take this practice that it's saying you can withdraw from. So I think the people of Mississippi need to take this bill, look at it, see how it doesn't even apply to Mississippi. It couldn't have been originated in Mississippi. And why is our legislature passing something like this? The term that comes out in my mind is justice of the peace is in this bill. Mississippi has not had a justice of the peace since the 1980s. So why is our legislature and our governor enacting laws like this? It is totally ridiculous. It is disfavoring the people. And the people of Mississippi need to reevaluate who they vote for. And I don't want to get political, but you can't talk about a law like this without getting political. And again, thank you all for your show. I'll listen from the road. All right, Francis. Thank you. Um, so Professor Gershon, Francis is right. I think this this idea and this law did originate elsewhere. I don't know that it originated in Mississippi. Maybe we were just kind of following suit. Any thought, thoughts on Francis's comments? I think Francis is exactly right. This law was actually written by someone who's not a Mississippian and, and uh, then uh, put into the Mississippi legislature. Um, it, you know, again, what we're doing, listen to all the conversation we're having about this. And there's so many other more important things that we need to be talking about in the state. Uh, we are last again. And, and uh, the, the type of uh, environment for children in our state, well, that's, that's unacceptable. I think that's something we all can agree about. We want to have an environment that, that children grow up in uh, where education is available and, and good education is available to all of our children because that serves all of our needs. 
But instead, we pass laws that really have so little impact. And I think it's because our legislature feels a little bit powerless to deal with the real issues because mm-hmm. those are hard. This is easy. You know, this is like, okay, well, you know, maybe some baker uh, in, in, you know, doesn't have to bake a gay, uh, cake for a gay couple. Big deal. You know, and I mean, really, when you come right down to it in the scheme of things, I mean, that offends me. But by the same token, it's not the most important issue when you think about the problems we have in our state. And so this is just it's drawing attention away from the real problems. It's like, hey, look over here. Look what we did. And I agree with Francis that our legislature needs to focus on real problems. Yeah. Lots more calls to get to before the show ends. We're going next to Amy in Oxford. Good morning to you, Amy. What's your comment? Hi. Good morning. Um, I just wanted to say, well, first off, that I absolutely agree with everything um, that was just said. You know, Mississippi has got, you know, a laundry list of huge problems, um, you know, from, you know, schools to obesity to all kinds of things. And, you know, using this kind of legislation is a waste of taxpayers' money. And as far as the, um, you know, some of the comments before talking about, well, maybe the LGBTQ community will boycott. I think that's great. But I think that's also it's not just a problem for the gay community. This is a problem for everybody, um, mm-hmm. you know, whatever your faith is. Um, and just like all of the other civil rights movements, it takes more than just the affected group to stand up and say, no, this is this is not who we are and this is not what we believe. And I think that that's something that, uh, you know, as we find it, you know, if there are businesses that are discriminating, they're definitely not going to get my money um, because that's that's not the state that I want to live in. And that's all. <laughs> OK, Amy, good comments. Thank you so much for your call. We appreciate it. Uh, we'll stay on the phones. We go next to Brandon in Hattiesburg with a comment. Good morning to you, Brandon. Hey, good morning. Hey, what do you have for us? Well, I just want to say I was listening on professor, on a professor, and he was saying how he would like for people who do feel as though they wanted to uh, exercise their religious freedom by putting uh, by not serving uh, anybody in the LGBTQ community. Um, I agree with him on that. Yeah, you should put up signs because I would like to know, like you said, like he said, uh, I would like to know who uh, will accept me and my friends and other people I love. Um, my question is today, though, um, a business isn't that isn't a business a function of the of the government because you're paying taxes and uh, like like uh, the person said you are you are uh, you come into these regulations that you have to abide by when you're serving the public. Um, a business isn't a a religious uh, entity. I, I haven't seen anywhere or where in the Bible or. Anywhere where uh, where a business is, you know, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, we understand. Yeah, yeah. Okay. What about that, Professor? Because we hadn't really talked about you know uh, public versus private businesses and the differentiations there. Sure. When you open a business, you volunteer to to abide by the laws. Uh, You volunteer. You know, it's a voluntary exercise. Uh, when you go into employment, you sign contracts. So you're going to follow the rules of your employer, or you can be dismissed. Uh, so it's similar. I mean, it's a you know, religion is a matter of faith. It's a matter of belief. Nobody is restricting anyone's right to believe or their or their faith. But when your practice interferes with the law of running a business, then there are you know you you've got to give a little bit. And it's the same thing. It's like Mormons may believe. 
that you can marry multiple people. But it's been a long-held uh, rule in our, in our country that even though that's what a, a Mormon may strongly believe, that we only allow marriage that is uh, monogamous. We only allow one, uh, one spouse. And so, you know, that is, that is where there's a difference between belief and practice. And once you enter into business, you know, practice is, is limited. Mm-hmm. Okay, Brandon, thank you for your call. We appreciate it. Uh, final call goes to Lillian in Bahalia. Good morning to you, Lillian. What's your comment? Good morning. Hey. The gentleman that said, uh, commenting about uh, he wouldn't uh, associate with people that call themselves Christian because he had been mistreated by uh, a member of a particular uh, faith. Mm-hmm. Like the pastor said, he, he said, yeah, there's a lot of hypocrites in there, our church. He said, but come on Sunday. He said, one more won't hurt. Hmm. And with the gay and lesbian, have their way, but don't force it. Because don't tell me that a same-sex marriage is fine because God says in his word, the Holy Bible, that man shall not lay with man woman shall not lay with man or man with beast because so is an abomination to the Lord. And you can take it at that. Mm -hmm. Thank you. All right, Lillian, thank you for your call. And I think, uh, you know, Professor, that's the the issue with so many people is that uh, when you have different faiths, Christians, they kind of cherry pick what they choose to be outraged about and, um, you know, make an issue, raise an issue about in, in those things. And definitely LGBT issues are one thing that Christians definitely have problems with it seems um and i had teased we have about a minute left professor gersh and i had teased that we were going to talk about uh the domestic violence um and uh, this new new law that's taking place july 1st Uh, basically um domestic violence has been added uh for grounds for divorce yes rita and this is something uh i I criticized our legislature this is actually one that we needed to do and I'm, i'm happy our legislature passed this this law uh, that allows uh, that adds domestic violence as a ground for divorce. Uh, previously, if someone had been a, a, a victim of domestic abuse, their avenue was to show habitual, cruel, and inhuman treatment. Uh, and that habitual word was problematic because one incidence of domestic violence may not allow them to get a divorce. What's important for people to realize is that Mississippi and South Dakota are the only two states in the country that still require some proof of divorce-based grounds uh, in a situation where both parties don't want a divorce. Most states will allow, if a party wants to get a divorce, they can say irreconcilable differences or, uh, you know, I um, you know, just don't want to stay in the marriage. So this is a, an additional ground that actually protects people from domestic violence and allows them to get out of those situations. Excellent. Well, Professor Gershon, thank you so much for uh, being on today, your expertise and wonderful opinions. We appreciate it. Thanks to all our callers. If you did not get to call, you can send an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. Jay White was our engineer this morning, and our intern Patrick was our call screener. Stay tuned. Relatively Speaking with Dr. Susan Buttress is coming up next right here on MPB Think Radio.